Good evening. We're going to do some study tonight from the book of Acts that will center around the activity of the Apostle Peter. You can think of this as walking alongside Peter. From the event on Pentecost over to the house of Jerusalem, and then after that, I'm sorry, to the house of Cornelius, and then after that to Jerusalem, and then to Antioch. That, that may sound like a lot of miles or time, but we have a specific part of the narrative to focus on for our learning tonight. So be ready with me in Acts chapter 2. We'll do a substantial amount of reading tonight, but it all, of course, will do us good, and it has a purpose. In Acts chapter 2, prophecy is fulfilled. The kingship of Christ is announced and entrance into the kingdom is granted to all who obey the gospel. The Holy Spirit filled the apostles. They were enabled by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in the languages of those who were present. I want to begin reading in Acts 2 at verse 22 and through verse 41. Acts 2, 22 through 41, and these are the words spoken by the apostle Peter. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence." Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption." This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord your God calls to Himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. As the apostle Peter delivered the gospel to this crowd of Jewish people, he said something I want us to note in verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, here's something that all of us believe. Because of everything the Bible says about the gospel of Christ, we believe the gospel is for all. Jews, Gentiles, no matter your genetics, your blood or nationality, your social class, your financial situation, the gospel first went to the Jews and then went to the Gentiles. And Peter's statement here in verse 39 comprehends the universal scope of the gospel where it says, all who are far off. And in addition to the word all, it says, everyone. Though the gospel has not yet been preached to the Gentiles, that was God's plan. Peter spoke it here in Acts 2.39. Now, move with me to Acts chapter 3. Chapter 3. Peter and John are preaching in Jerusalem to a Jewish audience. Peter preaches Christ. And I want you to look at the final verse in chapter 3. The final verse in Acts chapter 3. God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now, this is what we were just talking about, that the gospel was taken first to the Jewish people, but would later be delivered to non-Jews, to Gentiles. If Peter understood what he was saying, he knew that. He knew that on the day of Pentecost, and he knew that according to Acts chapter 3, preaching to the Jewish people first. In chapter 4, Peter and John continue preaching the gospel to the Jews, and that preaching annoys the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem. And Peter and John are told to stop. They're, they're told to stop preaching the gospel. Peter said, verse 20, We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
Peter and John are determined to continue to preach Jesus Christ raised from the dead, ascended to the Father, and call upon people to obey the gospel. And in Acts 4.12, notice what they are preaching. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter, as an apostle of Christ, is given this message, the gospel, and without hesitation, he delivers what the Holy Spirit gave him, and he does so with courage and conviction. Jesus is the only way for anyone to be saved. And later in chapter 4, Christians assemble to pray for boldness in the proclamation of the gospel. Chapter 5. Jewish authorities are even more annoyed and agitated because the gospel of Christ is being preached. And Jesus is being proclaimed as raised from the dead. So they tell Peter and John, you better stop that. Stop preaching. And Peter says, this is verse 29 in Acts 5, We must obey God rather than men. Now, this episode almost becomes an execution until a man named Gamaliel called for reason. The authorities then let the apostles go, but warned them not to speak in the name of Jesus. In Acts 5, look at the final verse. What are they doing? Acts 5:42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So far, based on everything in the first five chapters of Acts, it seems clear to the reader that Peter is strong in the faith. He understands the gospel being revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, and he proclaims that message, and he knows that the gospel is for all the Jew first, and then the Gentiles. Now, the next three chapters are primarily about Stephen and then Saul, who later was named Paul the Apostle. We rejoin Peter in Acts chapter 10. And here's where we're going to slow down some. Acts chapter 10. Let's do some reading, the first seven verses in Acts 10. We're traveling with Peter still. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day... He saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. 
Let's pause at that point for a moment. Cornelius is a Gentile. He's not of Jewish blood. But he is a good man. But, we already know, like everybody, he needs to hear and obey the gospel. The apostle Peter is chosen to take the gospel to Cornelius. And this is revealed to Cornelius. Now let's move to the next day. Acts 10, verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask Simon, who was called Peter, who was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision... The Spirit said to him, Behold, these men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Now, this is where the narrative about Peter gets interesting. We're traveling with Peter, see. Remember, Peter knew and had preached the gospel, including the truth that the gospel is for those far off. Everybody. But what he knew intellectually and objectively, he had not really committed to emotionally and practically. Jews had a history of not liking Gentiles, to put it mildly. This was the racial divide of the first century, Jew and Gentile. Now Peter is challenged to apply what he knew was the truth. It took miraculous intervention to convince Peter to go see Cornelius. But when the Holy Spirit said to him, verse 20, Go without hesitation, Peter goes. Let's resume the story at verse 23. At verse 23, the next day he rose and went with them. And some of the brothers 
from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he walked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So, when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth. Now remember he's in the place of a Gentile. And he's going to preach. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews... And in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, this goes well. So well, people are baptized in the house of Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit then gives assurance that these new Gentile Christians were accepted into the family of God. So you come to the end of chapter 10 and you conclude Peter understands. He has said he understands. Peter understands and is convinced that there will be no more hesitation about being with Gentiles and embracing his Gentile 
brethren. Now you move into chapter 11, where Peter reports the conversion of the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. And I'll point out in chapter 11, verse 12, Peter says he was told by the Holy Spirit, make no distinction. And in verse 18, Luke tells us, the people with Peter glorified God, saying to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Then you move over to Acts 15. The Holy Spirit again makes it clear to the early Christians that the gospel is to be taken to everybody. There is to be no distinction in the body of Christ when people obey the gospel between Jews and Gentiles. In attitude, in evangelism, in the local church, there's to be no discrimination against Gentiles. Now, you would like to think at this point in time, Peter and all the Christians in Jerusalem well understand that the gospel is for all. It is to be preached to everyone, no matter their nationality, their ethnicity, their genetics, their skin color, or any social distinctions otherwise. And when people obey the gospel, they are to be united with one another in local churches making no distinctions. But then, you keep reading through the New Testament and you arrive in the epistle to the churches in Galatia written by Paul and you come to Galatians chapter 2. Peter is here called Cephas. And I want you to listen to this narrative in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For certain men came from James, I'm sorry, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Paul says, verse 14, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? The apostles were inspired to know and preach the truth. But they were not robots. The apostles were inspired to know and preach the truth, but they were not robots. They retained the capacity of choice. God didn't make them sinless when they were chosen or on Pentecost. So what happened to Peter? He knew the truth about Gentiles. He was the lead apostle to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But he was tempted, pressured. And on this occasion recorded in Galatians 2, when people showed up in Antioch that he thought he needed to appease or favor, he drew back from the Gentiles, and even Barnabas was influenced by that hypocrisy. Paul had to speak up to condemn this hypocrisy. So we've traveled 
with Peter. What do we need to learn from this narrative? Number one, it tells us even when we know the truth and we know it well, knowledge is no guarantee that we can't fall. Sometimes when a Christian falls into sin, one very common response is, didn't they know better? Most of the time they did. When a man has an affair, he knows it is wrong, but his knowledge was not applied when a woman passes on gossip, most often she knows that's wrong, but her knowledge was not applied. When someone who has obeyed the gospel abandons assembling with the saints, it is not a knowledge problem. They know what the Bible says, but they didn't apply it. Knowledge must be applied with consistent discipline day after day. Most of the time, when Christians fall into sin, they know better. They just didn't apply what they knew. Peter knew no distinctions were to be made against Gentiles. But under pressure, he acted against knowledge. And that brings me to the next point. The story of Peter tells us we must guard against social pressure to conform. Peter thought the people who came from James expected him to move away from the Gentiles, and so he did. He wanted to stay in favor with certain Jews, and so when they showed up, he withdrew from the Gentiles. And that happens today. When we want to please a person or a group of people and we conform to what we think they expect, turning against what we know is right. Example, somebody shows up here and we think they are highly placed and we are impressed and we are pleased with them. And these people who show up say, all right, we'll stay if... We want to move the instruments of music in. We want to build a multi-million dollar fellowship hall. We want to transfer money over to human institutions. We would be obligated to make it very clear to these people, we are not changing to please you. If that means you go somewhere else, so be it. We want to study with you, but we are not changing to please you. We are not guided by your desires. We're not going to conform to your background. We are guided by Bible authority. The story of Peter becomes a warning to us to not bow to social pressure. Peter says, when we, Paul says, when we do that, we stand condemned. Number three, the way this issue is presented in the New Testament, it's very clear that we cannot let racial distinctions divide us. If the gospel is for all, 
Anyone who obeys the gospel, no matter what their genetics or ethnicity or skin color or social or financial status, if God accepts them, we accept them. The racial divide today involves strong feelings people have about skin color. How do we address that? With the principles that emerge when we travel alongside Peter. And that's based on creation principle that we were all made in the image of God. I was recently asked, can you give a passage that condemns racism? And I said, yes, here it is. James 2 verse 9, if you show partiality, you're committing sin. How simple is that? In the racial forum that I participated in in Dallas a few weeks ago, we went over all this with the audience. And you could tell, not only based on comments that came up on the live feed, you could tell that this narrative about Peter made a powerful impression. It was so clear that the racial divide in our society and in some places in the church is answered by this narrative and the principles that emerge from it. God is giving us an example of how we shouldn't think of people who are different from us. And in the teachings all through the epistles, the Holy Spirit is clear that if God makes no distinctions, we cannot. Here's the way I want to conclude our study. Would you listen, please, to the reading of Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure 
being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's be standing as we sing. Come to Jesus, He will